Hello and welcome to Baseball Bite, for people who'd rather be listening to the game than to a podcast about it. Season's well underway and there's plenty to get through. As ever, that pitch clock is ticking. Let's play ball. Well, Showtime was certainly as appealing as hope last Sunday when Angels Shohei Otani stepped onto the mound to face the White Sox and in the bottom of that same inning batted second. The first regular starter to do so since 1903. And what a sight it was. Nine pitches thrown at over 100 miles per hour. Then his first at bat, a stonking 115.2 mile per hour, 451 foot homer, which made him the first player in the StatCast era since 2015 to bat 110 miles per hour plus and to throw 100 miles per hour plus in the same game. And in spite of an unfortunate collision with Jose Abreu at the plate ending his outing, any injury fears were allayed by his eighth-inning pinch hit in the following day's game versus the Astros, in which he eventually scored the go-ahead run. And with manager Joe Madden's stated intention to take the bubble wrap off, there promises to be yet more exciting times ahead in Anaheim. The same could not be said this week elsewhere in California, down in Oakland, where the A's faced a cataclysmic start to their season, swept to a crushing defeat by the Astros in their first four games, in which Houston, off to its best start since 2001, scored eight or more runs in each of those games. And if that 26-negative run differential wasn't bad enough for Oakland, worse since the days of Connie Mack in 1950, it then went on to lose the next two games against the Dodgers. And although their first win of the season on Wednesday night's final game of that series obviously brought some relief, that 0-6 season start was the worst in franchise history since the Philadelphia A's in 1915. And to add injury to insult, Wednesday brought the devastating news that reliever Trevor Rosenthal, he who was hoped to fill a Liam Hendricks-shaped hole in the bullpen, needs shoulder surgery, which will have him out of action for at least three months. At least the Oakland fans had a suitable scapegoat on whom they could vent their frustrations, with the Astros playing the role of villain with their usual flair. Although, as many noted, the booing may, if anything, have had something of a counterproductive effect, so perhaps sticking to those famous drums might be safer next time. A similar welcome awaited Houston in Anaheim on Monday, but the Angels did this time manage to stop the Houston juggernaut in its tracks with the aforementioned late rally 7-6 win. The fans there went even further than at the Coliseum with an inflatable trash can thrown onto the warning track during play, followed by an actual trash can. After that game, Astros manager Dusty Baker expressed his displeasure at all of this, wondering if those heckling had never made a mistake in their lives or cheated on a test themselves, concluding that it was a sad situation for America. As a lesser-known scripture translation says, let he who is without sin cast the first trash can. That Dodgers series against the A's brought L.A. some relief after, dare I say it, a rather rocky time in Colorado, and specifically Clayton Kershaw, who in his disastrous opening day start allowed 10 hits and 5 earned runs, the worst record of all of his 9 opening day starts. So Tuesday's 5-1 win against Oakland was a definite bounce back, with 8 strikeouts and only 1 run allowed. Though the loss of the final game in the series on Wednesday will raise yet again questions about the reliability of veteran closer Kenley Jansen, who blew his first save of the season. Likewise, on the East Coast, the Yankees struggled offensively in their first series against the Blue Jays, only managing one win. But any despair felt by Garrett Cole at his inability to get an opening day victory was dismissed by his next outing on Tuesday with seven scoreless innings that crushed Baltimore in a 7-2 win with 13 strikeouts in what was arguably his most dominant performance in New York since joining the team. 
Baltimore, on the other hand, was coming off an incredible opening series, which encouraged Orioles fans to substitute Dreamland for Birdland in their series sweep of Boston, which suffered for the first time at Fenway Park since 1948, a season-opening three-game losing streak, and with that confirmed all the fan base's fears about the coming year. Thankfully, for the sake of their blood pressure, Red Sox fan base being not exactly known for their calmness and patience at such times, it was Boston's turn after that to dish it out with their sweep of the Rays. And this really was a turning of the tables, considering that Tampa Bay had come into the series having won eight straight games at Fenway and 13 of their last 14. Trouble at the trop indeed. Over in the NL East, the Phillies won its first four games, and with that showed a bullpen somewhat different to last year's abysmal incarnation, with its record of the worst ERA in baseball since 1930. Instead, it started the season with three straight games, not allowing one single run, something it never managed even once during 2020. As the esteemed Phillies commentator Dave Shaw warned, don't go sleeping on the Phillies. And Cincinnati also got off to an explosive start, and with its Wednesday sweep of the Pirates, the Reds had at that point 57 runs in their first six games, a franchise record and crucially beating the 51 runs of the famed 1976 World Series winning Big Red Machine. But of course we must not let ourselves get too carried away here. It's six games. Baseball's equivalent of the download progress bar is at 5%. So it's uh, insert at this point the obligatory comment about marathons and sprints and all that. At least some achievements remain constant. That of the Mets' unfailing ability to torment Jacob deGrom, who in Monday's game against the Phillies was pulled in spite of six scoreless innings after 77 pitches, the last of which was a 100-miles-per-hour strikeout of Bryce Harper no less, after which the bullpen did what it does best and blew the lead. As Joe Posnanski noted, he has now had 33 no decisions since the beginning of 2018. His ERA in those games is 1.76, and the Mets have blown 11 leads he left behind. As I say, at least some things never change in life. Baseball, of course, is all about the feel-good stories and battles against adversity, and this week we already saw a couple of legends in the making. As a reminder of how baseball can feel like some sort of three-dimensional chess game with its ever-moving pieces, White Sox' Eloy Jimenez's injury inevitably meant some expected names on the board. And so the 28-year-old Yemin Mercedes, having bounced around the minors for years and with only one major league plate appearance last year, finally got his chance. And with that became the first player since 1900 to have eight consecutive hits to start a season. Oh, and in yesterday's game against the Royals, he broke StatCast with his 113-mile-per-hour four. 185 feet homer, and thus Mercedes Mania was born. Likewise, Detroit outfielder Akil Badu, if he wasn't content with making his Major League debut as the first player in modern history to begin his career with a grand slam, another homer, and a walk-off hit, on Wednesday's game against Minnesota, he drove in a triple RBI. Made even sweeter, as that was the team which crucially let him go last year, proving that revenge is a Rule 5 dish best served hot. And speaking of revenge, all eyes will be on Game 2 of the Miami Mets series tomorrow after yesterday's controversial win thanks to Michael Conforto's bases-loaded hit-by-pitch walk, which later umpire Ron Culper admitted he should have called a strike. Needless to say, the social media judge and jury went into overdrive, but it remains to be seen whether the classic baseball punishment is dealt out next time Mr. Conforto is at the plate.
So it's goodbye Atlanta and hello Colorado for the All-Star Game in response to the controversial Georgia voting legislation. There has been a mixed reaction both within the sport and politically. Not surprising perhaps, many leading Republicans, including the former president, have been vociferous about the commission's decision. Senators Ted Cruz and Mike Lee have called for an end to the antitrust exemption which baseball, unlike any of the other main North American sports, has enjoyed since 1922. And while teams such as Arizona opposed the decision, others such as Miami were openly supportive. But as ESPN's Howard Bryant explains in an excellent column this week, before we start thinking this means MLB is suddenly a progressive force to be reckoned with, it's important to think of it more in terms of real politique, that with numerous players and sponsors likely considering a boycott, Commissioner Manfred, himself a registered Republican, would have calculated it to simply not be worth the grief. But all that notwithstanding, the thought of home run derby in that dinger heaven that is Coors Field should be enough to excite anyone. So fans are back soaking up all those smells and sounds. And even Astros pitcher Zach Grenke, who said last year that he quite liked the empty stands, said after his Oakland game that he prefers them back now. And they were booing. As Seattle's Marco Gonzalez pointed out, that's why we play this game, to play in front of thousands of people. Indeed, let's face it, when a kid in their back lot crushes that Game 7 walk-off World Series homer, they don't imagine themselves doing it in front of 10,000 cutouts and Joe Buck in a gas mask. As Arizona's Madison Bumgarner noted, it's supposed to be an entertainment business. But what sort of entertainment could those fans expect? It's a question that's very much on the mind of Theo Epstein, former Cubs president and the man tasked by MLB to tackle that eternal pace of play challenge. In a recent interview on the Starkville podcast, he channeled his inner Marie Kondo and said, the big question is, what is the version of baseball that brings joy? And one answer to that question may lie in the minor league rule changes, which he confirmed were imposed with the full intention of testing them out before proposing at the major league level with the goal of creating more action and balls in play. This follows on from various reports, both anecdotal and statistical, concerning the new balls introduced which MLB suggested would take one or two feet off fly ball distances. And way back in spring training, Blake Snell was already drawing attention to the thicker laces and less carry on batting batted balls that he noticed. And although it's early days, the data does seem to suggest it's already making a difference. As ESPN's Paul Hembakides reported, for the past three years at this point in the season, the average fly ball travelled around 316 feet. This year, it's 307 feet. And it's interesting to note, for example, in the Orioles' sweep of Boston this week, not one of those 18 runs was a home run. And although there are, of course, many possible reasons for this, as our resident Orioles man, Matt Casbolt, noted, the lack of power hitters on the young team, unique dimensions of the green monster Finway being all possible explanations. But when you look at the totality of a series like that, it's hard not to wonder, as Hall of Famer Jim Palmer questioned throughout the broadcast, whether the dead bull is going to be a factor from now on. Which reminds me of today's immortal headline, Trevor Bauer's Balls Under Inspection. And no, it was not, as I first assumed, the inevitable next step of his formidable social media presence into the world of OnlyFans. Rather, it was concerning uh, multiple balls that were deemed suspicious during his game on Wednesday against the A's and then sent for analysis. This is all part of another one of those MLB memos which warned of a clampdown on foreign substances. Now, whether his suspiciously sticky balls will actually be an issue is unclear. The Players' Union has already said it's ready to challenge any discipline, and the simple practicalities of chain of custody, for example, will no doubt come into play. The suggestion anyway being that this is more about MLB being seen to clamp down than necessarily actually doing anything. 
And if the worst comes to the worst, I see that an adult webcam company, Strip Chat, has offered him a job as Chief Balls Officer at a salary of $100,000. Which goes to show that whatever double entendres and suggestive jokes that I might try to come up with, reality will always come along with something better to beat it uh, off. Yes, my little urchin friend, as well as the ESPN article on the All-Star Game move, a fascinating piece from Craig Calcaterra from back in 2019 concerning the history of how MLB managed to win its now-under-attack exemption from trust laws. Spoiler alert, it helps if Supreme Court Justice Wendell Holmes, no less, really just wanted the baseball owners to win and logic and the law be damned. As always, links on the Twitter. Ah, that joyous sound of the Mariners, home run porn, can only mean one thing. It's time for me to trot around the base and get myself home. But until next time, my friends, never forget that sometimes in life, a quick bite is all that you need. Make sure that you subscribe, follow, at Baseball Bite. But until next time, happy baseball.